Almighty God, we gather as a community of believers to worship you today, the first Sunday of Advent. We gather in this beautifully decorated sanctuary to begin our preparation for the celebration and hopefully the experience of Christmas. Help us to be fully present to the sacred season. Help us to receive it as a precious gift. God, forgive us for what we have done to this time of year. Our busy schedules, our excessive spending, our distorted priorities. The secularization and commercialization of a precious mystery, the mystery of your incarnation, your word become flesh to dwell among us. Help us retain a sense of the sacred, of the transcendent, the true meaning of this season. God, in this Advent season, we long for your coming into our hearts. We cling to the hope that we can bring peace on earth, that we can unite all peoples in one heart and mind. That love tempered with justice will guide our actions as individuals, as nations, as a world. Strengthen within us the hope that sustains us in the darker hours. It sustains us during those times when we lose sight of the Christmas star, that light that would guide our footsteps, that would guide and shape our lives. God, as we gather and worship this morning, grant that we may be renewed by the experience of your presence both within and among us. Grant that we may be renewed by the experience of being with each other. Help us to receive the many gifts you bestow upon us, especially the gifts of hope, peace, joy, love, and the light that drives back the darkness in our lives. Help us both witness and experience your healing, transforming power in the world and make us aware of the many ways that we can be agents of this healing power in the lives of others. Rule in our hearts and in the hearts of all your people. We come before you this morning to pray not only for ourselves, but also for those of our brothers and sisters who are in greater need than we. Help us to reach out in thought, word, deed, and prayer to those in great need. In these moments of silent prayer, we bring before you our deepest needs, needs of members of our families and friends, members of this community, and all those whom we know to be in special need. We ask this, our sanctuary prayer and our many prayers, both spoken and unspoken, in the spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us when we pray to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. First of our scripture lessons is taken from the uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, the fifth chapter, verses one through five, and the 15th chapter, verse 13. Paul writes, 
Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. We boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And in the 15th chapter, Paul writes, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, gospel lesson this morning is taken from the first chapter of the Gospel according to Luke, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But Mary was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of a greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. He sends our scripture lessons for this morning. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. Advent is a time of preparation. In our Advent worship, we prepare ourselves for not only the celebration, but also the experience of Christmas. Advent gives us the time we need to look at the many parts of Christmas that we might experience, how they touch us, come to understand how they apply to us as individuals. Christmas is like a dream, but it is a dream that actually happened. It is like a dream in that it came from a different realm, 
the realm of the transcendent. And it entered into or incarnated in the realm of space and time. When I'm trying to understand a dream, if I think of the characters in the dream of giving me, as giving me information about people in the outer world, this interpretation sometimes fits, but more often is simply confusing. However, if I think of each of the characters in the dream as a part of me, I have a tool to help unlock the meaning and the message of the dream. Scripture itself is like a dream, a mystical message from another realm, the realm of eternity, a realm beyond space and time. It is a message from God to us. As you know, I do not believe that the Bible is the word of God. The Bible contains a record of some people's experiences of God in a particular time and culture. This understanding makes scripture even more like a dream. For dream is something we experience within our own psyche, in our own way, with our own personal history. Well, scripture and a dream are guides in our process of individuation, our process of spiritual growth and evolution. We commonly believe that scripture tells us something about ancient history, about people in the outer world, people who lived a long time ago. But what if all the characters of scripture are really part of us? This would mean that we are like Peter. We sometimes deny our Lord. We are like Judas. We sometimes betray our deepest values. We are like the blind man, the leper, and the woman in need of healing. When we read the Bible this way, it is no longer ancient history or only ancient history. It confronts us with parts of ourselves and challenges us to grow both psychologically and spiritually. Think of the many people who are part of the Christmas story. Mary, Joseph, shepherds and the Magi. Each of them is a part of us. King Herod, who was so afraid that the emergence of this new spiritual force in his kingdom would turn his world upside down, that he tried to suppress it. He is also a part of us. The innkeeper, who had no room for the holy family in his inn. We are ashamed to say that even he is a part of us. The angel who tells Mary that she is about to conceive and give birth to the Son of God. This angel is also a part of us. Even the Christmas star is there within us to show us the way to the manger. This Advent season, as we prepare for the celebration and the experience of Christmas, I would like us to take a closer look at someone who is not only part of the Christmas story that took place 2,000 years ago, but who is also a part of us, part of our Christmas story and our spiritual pilgrimage. In our worship this Advent, I would like us to think about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the precious gift of incarnation. I never thought much about Mary when I was a child. You see, I grew up as a Protestant. 
Our Sunday school didn't spend much time teaching us about Mary. We certainly weren't taught to pray to Mary. Catholics did that. And we definitely didn't want to be like Catholics. As presented in the Gospels, Mary is not an important part of the story. She was not an important figure in Jesus' adult life, probably not as important as Mary Magdalene. As we Protestants pointed out in relation to the Catholic devotion to Mary, whom Catholics call the Mother of God, Mary was not the Mother of God. God, the creator of the universe, was around long before Mary. This God not only did not have a mother, this God could be seen as the great mother who gave birth to all creation and who continues to give birth to all creation, including us. Mary was not the mother of God, she was simply the mother of Jesus. This is technically correct. Mary does not have a central place in the Gospels. The Apostle Paul regarded her as of little importance. In fact, the only reference I could find to Mary in Paul's letters is Galatians 4.4, which reads, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. Note that Paul doesn't even mention Mary by name. She is just a woman. If we remember how important Paul's teachings, Paul, Paul's theology were to the early church, for Paul's letters were the first written documents of our faith, we can see how relatively unimportant Mary was to first century Christians. So from an historical perspective, I was probably correct in my belief that Catholics have blown the importance of Mary way out of proportion. However, I was wrong, short-sighted, and spiritually immature in this judgment because I failed to understand that the people of Scripture are also a part of us. Mary may not have been important historically, but she is important spiritually. She is a part of me, a part of all of us, a part of life. This is because what doesn't make sense literally and historically does make sense in the spiritual realm, the realm of eternity. In our worship during this Advent season, I invite us to make this distinction. I invite us to listen to the Christmas story, not only as literal history, distant and past, but also as symbolic and spiritual, as present here and now. I invite us to find Mary within ourselves. If we can do this, we may experience what she gives birth to, what she incarnates within us and within the world. I had an interesting reminder of this truth several years ago when Darlene and I attended an Armenian church fair and food festival. I don't remember exactly how many years ago. I do know it was pre-pandemic. Nowadays, I seem to be dividing time into pre and post-pandemic, even though it would be a stretch to believe that we are now in a 
post-pandemic stage. But that's not the point. While we were at this beautiful Armenian Apostolic Church, the priest welcomed us and upon learning that I was a Protestant minister, offered to show us around the sanctuary. The art in the sanctuary, all of which was deeply symbolic, was amazing. At one point, the priest, to whom I took an immediate liking, casually mentioned that the chalice that holds the wine, that through the miracle of transubstantiation is transformed into the blood of Christ, that this chalice is like Mary. The chalice is symbolic of Mary because in it or through it, Christ incarnates in the world of space and time. Christ enters our everyday life. I never thought about the cup, the chalice this way. This gives a new dimension of meaning to the sharing of the cup during our communion services, perhaps especially on the, on the Sunday in Advent that falls on one of our communion Sundays. There are two quotes from the 12th century German mystic Angelus Silesius that will frame the central theme of our reflections throughout this Advent season. The first is, if you hope to give birth to God on earth, Remember, conception takes place in the heart, the womb of the eternal. The second is, though Christ a thousand times in Bethlehem be born, if he is not born in thee, thy soul is still forlorn. And Gellis Silesius suggests that if we could find Mary within ourselves, we could discover what it means to give birth to God on earth. Like Mary, we can give birth to the Christ. We can't do this literally as Mary did in giving birth to the baby Jesus, but we could do this spiritually. When we provide a place for God to enter, a place for the word of God to become incarnate in us, we will experience the wonder and the miracle of Mary. We can do this because, according to scripture, Mary's conception was not literal and sexual, it was spiritual. This morning, the first Sunday of Advent, we opened ourselves to receive the first of the gifts that could become incarnate in us and then become incarnate through us, the gift of hope. This Advent season calls us to develop the spiritual discipline of being a hopeful or hope-filled person. If we could do this, then we, like Mary, can give birth to hope in our world. I think we could speak of giving birth to this spiritual gift simply because everything that is a part of God enters the world through us. There is no other way that it can get here, that it can enter our personal and collective consciousness. Like Mary, we incarnate the gifts of God. We give birth to them. We bring them into the realm of space and time. If we are hopeful people, then hope finds expression in the world. 
whenever and wherever this happens, some life, some interaction is qualitatively the better for its presence. The same is true of peace, joy, love, and light. The birth of Jesus brought a word of hope to the people of his time, and it could do the same for us. We need to remember that although we speak of hope as a human trait, as a certain attitude we take toward life or toward the future, hope does not come from us. Hope comes from God, from the realm of the eternal. We also need to remember that although we casually speak of hope as synonymous with wishing, as in, I hope I get a new Tesla sedan this Christmas, hope is much more than wishing. Hope is an experiential vision of God's will for us and for the world. Hope is one of the most powerful of all human emotions. As we know, there is no human experience or state of mind as crushing as the feeling of despair. This may be the reason why so many of our hymns are hymns of hope. Listen to the words of our beloved Christmas hymn. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. In the dark streets of our lives, in the dark streets of our nation, in the dark streets of our world, hope appears like an everlasting light. It keeps us going when we are tempted to quit. It lights our path. It gives us courage to rise above difficult and painful situations, to throw off the darkness of depression and despair. It strengthens the powers of healing within us. The Apostle Paul tells us that because hope arises from faith, hope helps us to connect in a very deep way with God. Hope brings the assurance that what God began in Jesus will be brought to fruition in us and then in the world through us. In this Advent season, let us remember the words of Angelus Silesius. Though Christ a thousand times in Bethlehem be born, if he's not born in thee, thy soul is still forlorn. This teaching about birth, about incarnation, is also true of hope. If Jesus, the hope of the nation, is not born again and again within us, we will live our lives without hope. Without hope, our soul will be forlorn. And we will not be able to bring a message of hope to those who desperately need it. To a nation that desperately needs it. The quiet moments of this Advent season, let us like Mary open our hearts to God. Let us open our hearts to God to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If we open our hearts in faith, we like Mary might become the womb of the eternal, 
receiving the blessed gift of hope in our lives, a hope that we need to carry us as individuals through dark and difficult times. Then, like Mary, we can give birth to this great gift in our daily lives. We can incarnate it as a gift of grace to our nation and to a world that desperately needs it. Let us pray. O oh God, the source of life, health, meaning, and fullness of life, we know that we stand in need of healing, healing of body, mind, and spirit. We know that our nation stands in need of healing. We know that our world stands in need of healing. God, what we need this Advent and Christmas season, what we desperately need is the gift of hope, the blessing of hope, that hope that will help us persevere in our determination to drive back the powers of darkness, the powers of evil that surround us, the pessimism and despair threaten to pull us back from our calling to create a new and better world. God, fill our minds and our spirits with the gift, with the blessing of hope. In hope and in faith, we pray that Jesus will be born in us today, that his love will touch us, heal us, and make us whole, and give us the strength, the courage, and the commitment to incarnate these gifts in our lives and in the world. We ask this in Jesus' name and in his spirit. Amen.